Welcome back to Mark's Madness Now, part of Chunkaluta. Hello. Hello, we're doing it again. It's just me and Prez. No Shikmani 2, we're rotating, killing people off. Did you guys kill me off last time? Uh, was it? I think it was last time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What was yeah. my backstory? Did Did I join the IDF like you did? Or no, what? no, you did not. Um, I just died. Yeah. You. You. I died, uh, my, I died on my way back to my home planet. I forget what you caught. Did you catch? Oh, God damn it! You caught a disease. <laughs> you went full dead from a disease. So now you're a zombie. Well, should Manitou died in a uh, unfortunate uh, train accident. <laughs> they were single-handedly building a new railroad in Michigan. <laughs> Just like uh what was the the guy that used to hammer the rails through the mountains that old folk song guy. Oh god, uh, I forget his name. <laughs> Just like that. Um but anyway, Welcome back to Mark's Madness, part of Chuggaluja Network. We read books. Uh, we're going to get back into our Gramsci reader that Prez uh, here with us have put together. Um, and we'll be on slide 167, section 5 of chapter 7. So section 5 will be question of the collective man or social conformism. Uh, chapter 7 is the art and science of politics from the Gramsci reader that um, this section of Prez's Gramsci readers pulled from. And in the meantime, um, just you know, to make sure important stuff gets touched on. Uh, we usually bring up current events and there's a really weirdly current one that <laughs> I don't think is a big deal, but I find hilarious. So I woke up this morning and I had no cell service and my wife had cell service and my sister-in-law didn't have cell service. And my Nathan, who used to do the podcast here, um, was like uh, messaging me on discord, like, Hey, do you have cell service? And I was like, no. Apparently, come to find out that across the United States, at least, I have no idea what total regions there were. Um, there were certain amounts of phone numbers that were just completely out. Not every phone number. Uh, all across um, for all three big providers in the United States. Those being AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile, which... I have also recently found out <laughs> uh, had to be divested from Deutsche Telekom. So uh, apparently for, for national security reasons, is that what uh, we said? They said, Prez. Yeah. Uh, yeah. T-Mobile used to be. So in, in Europe, T-Mobile uh -huh. is a subsidiary of Deutsche Telekom. Uh, <laughs> and then when they moved over to the U S uh, the U S government was like, no, that's a national security risk. You got to, uh, it's amazing yeah, how so they – so I could just – I could compare this to the Sitgo and Venezuela thing. I think I think the more relevant thing to say here rather than like this is just what they did with Sitgo and Venezuela and it's weird that they're you know laughable that they're also doing it to a, a European ally, another Western country. But it's kind of amazing like the admission there that someone else's cell service is a national security threat. And how many times have we said that when empire speaks, every accusation is an admission because they're projection Kings. Um, yeah. I mean, like it, in a way it's kind of true. Like we, we know that this is the shit the CIA fucks around in. No, the CIA fucks around in all this stuff whenever we try and do stuff. Yeah. Like we know exactly what works and we're not going to let that happen to us. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, like um, I'm sure the U.S. keeps a close eye on all the embassies here. Oh, no yeah. other countries are going to be able to build military bases here. You know, um, I <laughs> there. I found out that uh, Singapore or something has like a military training camp in Idaho or something. Really? Wow. Yeah, it's weird. But um, that's interesting. But yeah, like like you mentioned with like Sitco, like. People can operate here from foreign companies, but they have to be totally subservient yeah. to uh, to U.S. foreign to U.S. capital interests. Yes, and then when the U.S. wants a puppet, then companies can operate out of those countries on those own countries, not just here, but they have to be subservient to U.S. capital interests. It's just a little and then more. We call that foreign here. direct investment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got. You need the vague euphemism: foreign direct investment. It, I wish I had the the kind of down to earth adjectives that like Adam Johnson can can throw out about shit like that, <laughs> but it's just it's so snarky and crappy. Um, yeah. So I mean, I by the way, not not that it's breaking for anyone here on on listening to this podcast, but something I just always like to remind people so you have it ready to think about and tell people about because there are so many people that just buy into like. The CIA and the FBI, sure, they used to be bad, but they're good now or whatever. And just don't ever forget to ask them, like, okay, when did that change and why? Because nobody can point to a fucking reason because it doesn't exist. The good old days before it was taken over by uh, George Bush. (laughs) Yeah. And Dick Cheney. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, um I mean, it's hard to say that's all I've got on current events when, again, you know, we've talked about the the um, genocide and mass displacement of millions simultaneously across different parts of the world right now. Um, when Israel is the U.S. Has, has sunk another ceasefire um, initiative, I think this is either fourth or the fifth, but the first one since the ICJ ruling. Um, and well, we actually sunk one and, and then proposed our own slight variation and then sunk that nice nice see that is art that is how you do it and then you can go look we proposed a ceasefire uh, god damn bastards um so anyway um it's hard to oh, say I that actually, there's not oh i was gonna say one. okay because i didn't have anything else to talk that was worth talking about but yeah if you got um, to go. this came out yesterday uh mark this is dutch and international um, the Dutch will never be stopped, and someone needs to stop the Dutch. God damn it, please. <laughs> um, Mark Root, the current prime minister. So I think I mentioned the Dutch election before. Yes. So we had the Dutch election. Uh, they haven't figured out who's actually going to form a government yet, so we still have the old prime minister running things. And that guy is Mark Root. And he has just been nominated by Biden to be the new uh, general secretary of NATO. Oh, nice. And so this, this um, guy is, has, is ghoul and a half. He is uh, going to be fucking horrible because he's been supporting uh, Ukraine. He's been supplying Israel with uh, fighter jet parts. Um, he's actually been selling the Netherlands down to a river. Uh, to get his job as general secretary of NATO. So like anytime Biden would say like, hey, you got to sanction China 
at the expense of the Dutch economy, he'll do it. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, it, it's he. Yeah, it's like literal lapdog of of the U.S. is going to be in charge of NATO, which it always was. But like this yeah. is just like not it's, no backbone even. Yeah, this is. I mean, it's important to understand who he is, and especially in this in this stage because. You know, you've noticed how hard the U.S. is is going to bat for this this genocide um, in Gaza, um, and how much it's tanking the U.S. reputation around the world. Which I I know among the public has never been that good, but among like world leaders, it's been pretty good. And powerful people, it's been pretty, and it's tanking that. Um, they're going to flex their power every bit more. You know, I mean, right? What is what is fascism? It's it's other than, I mean, we're going to the, the Gramscian um, definition with this book, but the old school, the way I'd, I'd heard it before we got to this book is it was it was capitalism in crisis, and uh, it was a fortification of the hierarchies that capitalism made because capitalism wasn't holding up very well with that. And, you know, as the U.S. is at the top of the hierarchy and those things, like getting its way is kind of slipping because the contradictions are meeting each other, it just battens down the hatches and does it by force. That's what happens inside a country in fascism. And that's what's going to happen inside this empire until too many countries break out of it. And it's a question of, are any of them doing that? You know? Yeah. So like a week, literally like a week, less than a week before this nomination, the Netherlands, he, he was ordered to stop sending uh, parts to uh Israel because it was violating the inter the international criminal courts ruling on the genocide, which if you're not aware, the ICJ is based in the Netherlands. Yeah. I should be like <laughs> international court of justice, ICJ. So the, the Hague is, is they're all, the, they're all based there. Yeah. They're all based there, but the ICJ is the actual UN one. The other ones are based there. That way they seem as official as the UN one. And it's not yeah. that they aren't important. I mean, like there were, horrors that that happened during you know the the yugoslav um wars in the 1990s uh but that was literally a pop-up court specifically for those wars the icc uh very explicitly has been a colonial puppet um yeah the icj and, is the un one and the other ones just try to look and sound similar for credibility and yeah electronic so, yeah. intifada has a good thing on like all of the differences in the in the court's But yeah, so that that's the kind of guy who's going to be leading uh, NATO, and we're going to probably hear uh, that the yeah. nukes were sent to Moscow in Dutch or some shit in the next year or two. Yeah, cool, awesome. Yeah, yay. So in the Third World War, they were called the Axis in both the first two, and the U.S. was supposedly on the other side. In the Third World War. It'll be called NATO, <laughs> and the U.S. will be leading it. Um, anyway, to our reading, uh, and I guess, did we both read last time? I was dead last time. Oh, I just, I, right. I just killed you off. You got to read now. Real quick, how to say okay. launch the nuke in Dutch, and it's launch launch den Kernbom. 
Oh yeah, it's <laughs> I'm sad now. We can't chuckle about about just chuckle about the Dutch language talking about the Netherlands today because that's in isn't it Dutch Dutch chef in Europe instead of Swedish chef, right? Because that's Dutch sounds like goofy English. It's so goofy. <laughs> and what's even funnier is that Dutch people don't understand it because they under they they know Dutch and they also like speak English fluently, so you can't really <laughs> explain it to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds normal. It's just that's so they're just like, what are you talking about? Why are you laughing? <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, section five: question of the collective man or social conformism, educative and co- and formative role of the state, whose aim is always is always that of creating new and higher forms, higher types of civilization of adapting the civilization and the morality of the broadcast of the broadest popular masses to the necessities of the continuous development of the economic apparatus of production, hence of evolving even physically new types of humanity. But how will each single individual succeed in incorporating himself into the collective man? And how will educative pressure be applied to single individuals so as to obtain their consent and their collaboration, turning necessity and coercion into freedom. Question of right, this concept will have to be extended to include those activities which are at present classified as juridically indifferent and which belong to the domain of civil society. The latter operates without sanctions or compulsory compulsory obligations but nevertheless exerts a collective pressure and obtains objective results in the form of an evolution of customs, ways of thinking and acting, morality, etc. Political political concept of the so-called permanent revolution, which emerged before 1848 as a scientifically evolved expression of the Jacobin experience from 1789 to the Thermidor, the form the formula belongs to have I mentioned why these seem like so like abrupt <laughs> in the in the phrasing oh like oh. they're not as it's not as flowy as his previous essays you have not said that it's because a lot of times these are like quick notebook entries. Like in the actual handwritten notebook, these are like bullet points that are now turned into paragraphs. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when it's not so. Like he might have like a bullet point, and then it might be a paragraph explaining it afterwards. Yeah, it's. it's I mean, we are jumping. It's it's jumpy even in the sentences too. Like we just went through European Spring back to the Termidorian Revolution in France. Yeah, so like he's like, think of it like jotting stuff down so he yeah. doesn't forget it, and then going in. It's like that's why it's so jumpy. That's that's a big old mess. But imagine trying to like translate that and do it from the handwriting into a fucking formatted book. Oh yeah, yeah. no, that's impressive. Um. The formula belongs to a historical period in which the great mass political parties and the great economic trade unions did not yet exist and society society was still, so to speak, in a state of fluidity from many points of view. 
greater backwardness of the countryside, an almost complete monopoly of political and state power by a few cities or even by a single one. For example, Paris in the case of France. A relatively rudimentary state apparatus and greater autonomy of civil society from state activity. A specific system of military forces and of national armed services, greater autonomy of the national economies from the economic relations of the world market, etc. In the period after 1870, with the colonial expansion of Europe, all these elements change. The internal and international organizational relations of the state become more complex and massive, and the 1848 formula of the permanent revolution is expanded and transcended into political science by the formula of civil hegemony. The same thing happens in the art of politics as happens in military art. War of movement increasingly becomes war of position, and it can be said that the, that a state will win a war insofar as it prepares for it minutely and technically in peacetime. The massive structures of the modern democracies, both as state organizations and as complexes of associations in civil society, constitute for the art of politics as it were the trenches and the permanent fortifications of the front in the war of position. They render merely partial the element of maneuver, which before used to be the whole of war. That is probably one of the most important sentences for understanding his concept of the war of position versus the war of maneuver and what exactly he means by the importance of civil society in grabbing control of hegemony during and after a revolution yeah and before yeah and where the party needs to be working I think and how that... this stuff is maintained let's <laughs> <laughs> pack in one sentence uh uh but no, I mean it is it is pretty telling, right? I mean when he talks about art and politics, you know, the the all of culture, right? That's the the intellectuals, the art, the media, the artistic expression, everything, um, as well as as the political parties. You have to win the public and you have to control the public and 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 things like that, right? Um, you can't just go in and and haha, we took the capital, uh, and for. Because there was a speed run of European history there too. <laughs> we used to get in all the time in in this podcast back in its early season, but having a while. So just to, to touch back on on um, you know uh, we already talked about 1848's European Spring in 1789. Determinador was French Revolution. Uh, 1870 that was uh, the when that was when Otto von Bismarck came in and just stomped the crap out of France. The last major French German war before World War One, and that's when the Paris Commune happened. Um. All of that is secondary to that last sentence that that you can't just <laughs> strategically, you know, line up your military and, and march down and, and win a war. You've got to win the people now. And, you know, war it 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 he uses war of maneuver and I think war of movement interchangeably if I'm reading stuff right. Yeah, yeah he does. And yeah, so um so in that case, you know, once again it we're saying that like the war of position and the war of maneuver aren't necessarily um 
at odds, right? They're not necessarily like like uh, uh, mutually exclusive, but that you know where the war of maneuver was the only battle. Now it's a small battle in the war of position. Well, it's the it's the dialectic. Whereas before, like when we, when we talk about like you know you take a, it's reductionist to talk about like high school history re- lessons, but like broadly speaking, you went you you are a king of France in the fourteen hundreds. You conquer a territory. Yeah. You just say, "Oh God, gave me this land," and you move on with your life. Yeah. When he's talking about these, uh, he says, "Massive structures of modern democracies." As much as we want to roll our eyes when people say liberal democracy and all that stuff, like literally the next chapter or the mes- next sections, section six and section seven, are po- called the concept of state and ethical or cultural state. And then section eight is state as the night watchman. These are all very important in defining what his thing is, his idea of the state. So like literally shut up and let the book read. Yeah, no, I mean, but that's like, excited too. Cause I, I like, I, I'm just excited that in that <laughs> title, it includes ethical state because that's, I feel that's very much, that's a really concise way to, to put, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of things we've, we've, put here right like i don't want to be i want to be on the right side of history politics dictating people's decisions the way to manipulate people into into war um a lot of that stuff i i don't know we'll see what what the term ethical state has has to offer but there's a lot of potential just in those two words where there's a lot of ideas packed in the name of that yeah so we're gonna get into like what exactly he means by the state and what it constitutes very soon but it's not as simple as it was when you could just conquer territory and say, okay, our hegemony of the time is religion and I conquered it because I have a heavenly mandate and all of that shit. Now we have the media, we have all of this other, all of these other state apparatuses that mean you have to have some kind of consent of the ruling classes and also the people in a, in a one way or the other. Otherwise that, military dictatorship is not going to work. Um, I, so I do, I do also see, cause that sentence unfolds something pretty strongly here too, right? We've talked about economism and making everything overly economic. Um, but even with the criticism of economism, you know, we talked about like Marx had to, to say, well, these things are, are economic and overcorrect uh, because there is still, a massive amount of truth in that that was completely unaccounted for um, in, you know, idealist Hegelian philosophy and, and, and any kind of liberal ideologies. And um, so now we're coming back to, well, it's not all economic, but you notice the flip here isn't from economics to culture, right? It's from, from force, from pure <laughs> structured, um, um, you know, violence to culture, Right. And, and violence is, is a subsidiary of that culture. And that's what's updated. And uh, I think that's, that's pretty prescient that like the importance of, econ- of economics isn't total. Don't be an economist, but that part hasn't really changed. What's changed is you can't just use brute force. The culture and things like that are too complex for it. Right. Yeah. And this is ultimately how to win. So that's the, the partial element of maneuver. Yep. Um, so section six, concept Wait, of this. I have one more paragraph. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, 
They render merely partial, partial the element of maneuver, which before used to be the whole of war, etc. So we remember where we were. This question is posed for the modern states, but not for the backward countries or for the colonies, where forms which elsewhere have been superseded and have been have become acronistic and acronistic are still in force. Now you can go. Thank you. <laughs> um, section six, concept of the state. That the everyday concept of state is one-sided and leads to grotesque errors can be demonstrated with reference to Daniel Halavi's recent book, Decadence de la Liberté, um, Liberté, of which I have read a review in Le Nueves Literatures. I can't speak French. The, the new literature is what it looks like, or the literature novels. I don't know, something like that. New literature. There we go. Okay, had it right the first time. Uh, for Halive, state is representative is the representative apparatus, and he discovers that the most important events of French history from 1870 until the present day have not been due to initiatives by political organisms deriving from universal suffrage, but to those either of private organisms, capitalist firms, general staffs, etc., or of great civil servants unknown to the country at large, etc. But what does that signify if not that, that by state should be understood not only the apparatus of government, but also the private apparatus of hegemony or civil society? It should be noted how from this critique of the state, which does not intervene, which trails behind events, etc., there is born the dictatorial ideology current of the right with its reinforcement of the executive, etc. However, Halavey's book should be read to see whether he too has taken this path. It is not unlikely in principle, given his antecedents, sympathies for Sorel, for Marat, etc. Selected prison notebooks, 260 to 261. Um, I mean, I think that's pretty insightful, right? Like, hey, you know, <laughs> um, it's not just the government, right? It's... Um, I have totally lost. It's it's that there's there's people behind the scenes doing it. You know, there's the capitalist firms. You, you can think of lobbyists. You can think of of um, you know protesters and things like that, right? Like all kinds of different forces are doing it. It's not just votes. Yeah, I'm not going to comment too much because these next few sections are going to be him explaining the, his concept of the state. Okay, well, um, I'm going to listen to the shut up part of shut up and let the book read then. And Oh, I just realized that we're going to get to the modern prince. Uh, oh, boy, that's going to be a long read. Okay. <laughs> um, so just to give you an idea, a concept, so seven, we just read concept of the state. Seven is ethical or cultural state. Then we have state as night watchman. Then we have nine state as Velour de Nui. I don't know what that, uh, yeah, that's also a different version of uh, state as night watchman. Then we have 10 economic corporate phase of the state. Then statulator, I can never pronounce this word, statulator, 
statulatory, statulatory um, for 11, and then 12, this reader had excised a section of what is called um, The Modern Prince, which is a essay that he wrote pretty much explaining exactly what the Communist Party should be, um, but it was a reduced, it was like an abridged version. So I pulled out the full version and we're going to read that. Um, probably not this episode. Yeah, <laughs> but cool. <laughs> um, but because he was in prison, um, he was using... Da- uh, He was using Machiavelli. Machiavelli's the prince as the allegory the whole time so they wouldn't uh, yell at him. But that, that the, these next sections are going to all be on uh, everything that we ever want to know about his concept of the state. So I'm not going to comment too much uh, after that long rant in, the, in section uh, five. <laughs> But uh, section seven, ethical or cultural state. In my opinion, the most reasonable and concrete thing that can be said about the ethical and cultural state is this. Every state is ethical inasmuch as one of its most important functions is to raise the great mass of the population to a particular cultural and moral level, a level or type which corresponds to the needs of the productive forces of development and hence to the interests of the ruling classes. The school as a positive educative function and the courts as a repressive and negative educative function are the most important state activities in this sense. But in reality, a multitude of other so-called private initiatives and activities tend to the same end initiatives and activities which form the apparatus of the political and cultural hegemony of the ruling classes. Hegel's conception belongs to a period in which the spreading development of the bourgeoisie could seem limitless so that its ethicity or universality could be asserted. All mankind will be bourgeois, but in reality, only the social group that possesses the end of the state and its own end as the largest as as the target to be achieved can create an ethical state, one which tends to put an end to the internal div- divisions of the ruled, etc., and create a technically and morally unitary social organism. You need to learn to read, write, pledge allegiance to the flag and how great our founding fathers are in school. And you wouldn't do anything illegal. That's the most wrong. It's against the law. This like one paragraph is the foundation for Althusser's entire concept of ideological and repressive state apparatus. Really? Yeah. That whole... um, You know, I honestly think, not, not that it's more productive than the idea of positive and negative rights, and I, I'd say positive or negative rights because they've got to be sorted 
is is important and people don't understand it enough but i you know sometimes over overly prescriptive or overly simplified i think this pairs really well with the idea of positive negative rights is the idea of positive and negative education of the state education you know with the whole like nefarious scare quotes if the state's bad type thing yeah well he's using positive and negative differently oh i'm i i i'm sure but like the 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 contrast but i'm i'm watching like it get bullied right so yeah yeah when you're when you're saying like negative education that's like what not to do and yeah. to me that that drives right into positive and, and negative rights and then of course positive education you you learn how your rights are so entitled and protected by this great state and whatever right yeah 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 but so that 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 the courts as a repressive and negative educative function is the entire basis of althusser's repressive state apparatus concept but but his idea of a multitude of other so-called private initiatives and activities is also we're going to see later that's his concept of civil society that we're going to see him talking about there's an aspect of the state that's not explicitly the state so just uh just the abolitionist take on that though with far as uh, uh since we're talking about like positive negative rights and positive negative education is people so a lot of times even when they they find a law morally wrong there's this well you know don't break it because you're going to get caught unless you absolutely have to that's just stupid right and and then it, it becomes your fault as well too that's that's something that that gets struggled with as abolitionists is always somehow immoral and wrong and your fault to be criminal let alone the stigmatization of it um but uh really every day living a normal life is basically legal there'll be some kind of law that cops could you know bust you for and the court could throw you for and then cops of course just randomly accuse and 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 can shoot people arbitrarily when they're scared you know and all that shit on top of that um so really it's just an arbitrary act of how a bunch of overly powerful repressive people with guns and and the courts that validate them feel and the only thing that keeps it from being totally random is more cops are put in places where people, sh- you know, they, they want them to be more heavily policed <laughs> and more policing means more crime because crime is just random. You know, anything from anything actual bad to random everyday activities, all that get thrown in a bucket of state says no, no, and cops enforce when they decide to. I don't know why I felt like that ramp, but it just really felt pressing right there even if it's completely divorced from Gramsci. Sorry. Anyway, um, section eight state as we'll just go with night watchman. Cause I don't know. Again, well, you can just, everyone just calls it state as night watchman. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. I have had enough French. <laughs> um, the following That's argument. Italian. Oh, is that Italian? God damn it. <laughs> I've had enough romance languages that confuse me. Uh, the following argument is worth reflecting upon is this conception of the night watchman state leaving aside the polemical designation night watchman, etc., not in fact, the only conception of the state to transcend the purely economic corporate stages. We are still on the terrain of the identification of the state and government an identification, which is precisely a representation of the economic corporate form. In other words, of the confusion between civil society and political society. 
for it should be remarked that the general notion of the state includes elements which need to be referred back to the notion of civil society in the sense that one might say the state equals political society plus civil society. In other words, hegemony protected by the armor of coercion. In a doctrine of the state, which conceives the latter as a tendentially capable of withering away and of being subsumed into regulated society, the argument is a fundamental one. It is possible to imagine the coercive element of the state withering away by degrees as ever more conspicuous elements of regulated society or ethical state or civil society make their appearance. The expressions ethical state or civil society would thus mean that this image of a state without a state was presented on the greatest political to the greatest political and legal thinkers insofar as they place themselves on the train of pure science, pure utopia, since based on the premise that all men are really equal and hence equally rational and moral, i.e. capable of accepting the law spontaneously, freely, and not through coercion, as imposed by another class, as something external to consciousness. It, God damn, that, that's a lot of, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of arguments just slapped right the fuck down. Um, it must be remembered that the expression night watchman for the liberal state comes from LaSalle, i.e. from a dogmatic and undialectical statist. Look closely at LaSalle's doctrines on the point and on the state in general, in contrast with Marxism. In the doctrine of the state, regulated society, one will have to pass from a phase in which the state will equal government and state will be identified with civil society to a phase of the state as night watchmen, i.e. of a coercive organization which will safeguard the development of the continually proliferating elements of regulated society and which will therefore progressively reduce its own authoritarian and forcible interventions. Nor can this conjure up the idea of a new liberalism, even though the beginning of an era organically organic liberty be eminent. No, even though the beginning of an era of organic liberty, uh, I guess that should be maybe eminent. Select a prison notebooks 262 to 263. And... You can read the state as whatever the heck that French word is. The state as night watchman too. Oh, that's just a whole nother word for night <laughs> watchman. God that's damn French it. For night watchman. Oh, there's the French. <laughs> I knew that one looked French. Got it backwards. Got it backwards. <laughs> In the anyway superficial polemic over the functions of the state which here means the state as a politico juridical organization in the narrow sense. The expression, the state as night watchman, corresponds to the Italian stato carabinieri and means a state whose functions are limited to the safeguarding of public order and of respect for the laws. The fact is glossed over that in this form of regime, which has never existed except at the most, at the very most on paper, Historical development is led by private forces, by civil society, which is state too. Indeed, it is state the state itself. It seems get them that libertarians. The, what? So get them libertarians. Yes, Gramsci libertarian arc. It seems that the expression "night watchman," which should have a more sarcastic ring than "stato cabinieri." or the policeman's state, comes from LaSalle. 
its opposite should be at the ethical state or the interventionist state in general. But there are differences between the two expressions. The concept of the ethical state is of philosophical and intellectual origin belonging to the intellectuals like Hegel, and in fact could be brought into conjunction with the concept of state night watchman. This reads a little better on a text than uh, reading out loud because there's a lot of uh, colons and hyphens. Yeah. For it refers rather to the autonomous educative and moral activity of the secular state by contrast with the cosmopolitanism and the interference of the religious ecclesiastical and organization of a, as a medieval residue. The concept of interventionist state, the concept of the interventionist state is of economic origin and is connected on the one hand with tendencies of supporting protection and economic nationalism, and on the other with the attempt to force a particular state personnel of landowning and feudal origin to take on the quote-unquote protection of the working classes against the excesses of capitalism, like policies of Bismarck and Disraeli. This is a really strong criticism of social democracy. (laughs) These diverse tendencies may combine in in various ways, and in fact have so combined. Naturally, liberals, like economists, are for the state as night watchmen, and would like the historical initiative to be left to civil society and to the various forces which spring up there, with the state as guardian of fair play and of the rules of the game. Intellectuals draw very significant distinctions when they are liberals and when they are interventionists. They may be liberals in the economic field and interventionists in the cultural field, etc., The Catholics would like the state to be interventionist 100% in their favor. Failing that, or where they are in a minority, they call for a neutral state so that it should not support their adversaries. That's cold, and uh, I like it. And I'm not saying it doesn't apply to the Italian Catholics. He's doing it too, but I feel like there's... That, that's not the only right wing that would feel very much that way, right? I feel like uh, that definitely applies to the evangelicals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if the state tells you being gay is evil, we love the state. If the state tells you pay taxes so poor people don't starve, we hate the state. <laughs> I was looking at uh, polling numbers uh, yeah. today when I was writing a paper and one, I fucking hate Pew research. Their question, their questions are fucking horrible. Yeah. Like, you know, you know how like you can write a question one way and write it another way and you'll get different answers. Oh, and they, they like explicitly pick the worst one possible every time. Yeah. yeah. Well, they like, they write it in, in like the perfect way. So no one knows how to answer it adequately. They're like, how do you feel about the average American? Do you like them or do you not like them? And then they interpret, <laughs> and then they interpret it in like the weirdest way fucking possible that only a, like a pollster would care about. Yeah. Right. Um, but aside from that, they 
I saw a statistic that was like Republicans and conservatives are like 70% in favor of the uh, Supreme Court and its recent decisions. And like 20% of Democrats see the Supreme Court as uh, making the right decisions. And it's like, yeah, yeah, of course that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's uh, the thing I, I like to, to point out is the, uh, uh, electoral college right or i mean really any institution you know like like republicans started uh uh hating uh you know uh nato and and shit like that when it was that's so fucking that's still so fucking weird i i i think the 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 funnest thing is if you look at like trust in government polls yeah it literally flips every new president yeah yeah. So like it just inverts itself. Like the Democrats instantly stop trusting the government once a Republican comes in office. Right. And then Which once is- a Democrat comes in office, the Republicans just stop trusting the government and then it flips again once the mm-hmm. other guy comes in. You wanna you wanna see, yeah, evidence of how propagandized this country is. Watch how hard that flips and watch how little policy change oh, flips yeah. with each president. Like Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, so with that, Section 10, Economic Corporate Phase of the State. It is true that no type of state can avoid passing through a phase of economic corporate privi- primitivism. It may be deduced that the content of the political hegemony of the new social group, which has founded the new type of state, must be predominantly an economic order. What is involved is the reorganization of the uh, structure and, and the real relations between men and the world of economy or of production. The superstructural elements will inevitably be few in number and may have a character of foresight and of struggle, but as yet few planned elements. Cultural policy will above all be negative, a critique of the past. It will be aimed at erasing from the memory and at destroying. The lines of construction will yet be broad lines, sketches, which might and should be changed at all times so as to be consistent with the new structure as formed. This precisely did not happen in the period of the medieval communes, for culture, which remained a function of the church, was precisely anti-economic in character against the nascent capitalist economy. It was not directed towards giving hegemony to the new class, but rather to preventing the latter from acquiring it. Hence, humanism and the Renaissance were reactionary because they signaled the defeat of the new class, the negation of the economic world, which was proper to it, etc., I do like that it, it lays out that obviously a new state is going to be concerned with, you know, what's wrong with the old state. Like we're not going to turn around and have, you know, a, a new state with land back and then like not have to worry about anti-racism and, you know, educating people better than the the mythology of the, the United States and founding fathers and bullshit like that. Right. Um, but of course the turns are going to have to be economic first. So that makes sense. And I think that's a very well-defined early stage of a state. Um, and then this last section, statolatry, attitude of each particular social group towards its own state. I don't know. That doesn't seem like a sentence. Uh, <laughs> the analysis would not be accurate if no Again, bullet point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good point. Holy cow. I, that, that really 
sends that bullet point. It's bullet points home. The analysis would not be accurate if no account were taken of the two forms in which the state presents itself in the language and culture of specific epochs, i.e. of civil society and as political society. The term statolatry, literally state worship, is applied to a particular attitude towards the government by functionaries or political society, which in everyday language is the form of state life to which the term state is a to which the term state is applied and which is commonly understood as the entire state. The assertion that the state can be identified with individuals, the individuals of a social group, as an element of active culture, i.e. as a movement to create new civilization, a new type of man and of citizen, must serve to determine the will to construct within the husk of political society a complex and well-articulated civil society in which the individual can govern himself without a self-government, their thereby entering into conflict with political society, but rather becoming its normal continuation, its organic complement. For some social groups, which before their ascent to autonomous state life had not had long independent period of cultural and moral development on their own, as was made possible in medieval society and under the absolute regimes by the juridical existence of the privileged estates or orders, a period of statolatry is necessary and indeed opportune. The statolatry is nothing more than the normal form of state life, or at least of initiation to autonomous state life and to the creation of civil society, which it was not historically possible to create before the ascent to independent state life. However, this kind of statolatry must not be abandoned to itself, it must not especially become theoretical fanaticism or be conceived of as perpetual. It must be criticized precisely precisely in order to develop and produce new forms of state life in which the initiative of individuals and groups will have a state character, even if it is not due to the government and functionaries make state life become spontaneous. Selected prison notebooks 268 to 269. And when we resume, we will be on slide 172 and we will be reading the modern prince essays on the science of politics in the modern age. And it is going to be a doozy. <laughs> um, yeah, that, I mean, that'll be a whole big section for those of you who are not looking at the reader um, that we link along with us. Let's see. That one goes from 172 to, I, I mean, given this is two-sided slide, so, so you know, this is half <laughs> the length of the current ones, but 223, oh, so 50 not. pages. So it'd be like 25 of the current slides. And then I think the font's a little bigger, but you know, it's from it's, a different book entirely. It is right. like 50 pages. Yeah, no, it is straight up 50 pages, but it is 50 pages of, of, of one page, not of two sided pages and of bigger font. So it's not quite as much as 25 of the last pages would have been, but it's, it's a lot. It'll take a couple episodes probably. It's good though. It's yeah, cool. Excited. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that lays it out well. I do wonder if statolatry, um, I know that's not going to define exactly to nationalism, um, but I wonder if I'm understanding that right. That's kind of getting like the the people that are, uh, you know, say like working class or whatever, be like, I'm so American. I'm the most proud American, like that kind of thing. Like, is it is it is it related to nationalism in that way? Am I reading that right? In a... Kind of. He wasn't really talking about nationalism per se. Mm -hmm. 
it was more just like a hyper fixation on the state like he um the the editor note here is uh state worship yeah. for the translation so like it's it's uh less national it's it's less like uh in a way it can be nationalism because you know how right-wing nationalists are super into like government institutions yeah yeah um but it, it's it's like uh it's like a also like the liberal romanticization of like the state mm. okay just just because it's the state itself rather than what the state does like oh how could you say that about the government the government does so much yeah without actually really analyzing it yeah, so it, 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 it's kind of uh more abstract than just pure nationalism but sure. it, it very much is tied into that okay good i guess it's power fetishism in a way yeah where it's it's uh it's linked to just wanting to be in control of the state somewhere somewhere in between nationalism and notorious rbg yeah exactly um so with that uh (laughs) (laughs) this has been mark's madness pod part of chuck leach network we read books uh there's a number of ways you can get a hold of us. Um, I think the quickest way for me to tell you is in the link tree, uh, linktr.ee slash network. Uh, that includes links to fundraisers such as right now. Current fundraiser is 2000 for a, a tra- another trailer. Um, I can't remember. We've been helping people with housing, electric work, and trailers of supplies. And I can't remember if this trailer means housing or supplies. I think it's a supply one, but these are better when Shigmanitu's on here because then they have better track of all this stuff. Um, but right now there's a, a another fundraiser for that going on. Um, that and the, any other GoFundMes um, and then, you know, information about cash out Venmo and campaigns. That's all in the link tree, linktr.ee. Uh, you can also get to uh, the Mark's Madness Twitter is at Mark's Madness Pod or the Chunkaluta. Twitter is at Chunkaluta Org um, from the link tree. Um, you can also uh, contact Shimantuity at Decolonial Marks and Prez at, at Marxy Marks 2 on Twitter. Um, and then uh, <coughs> you can email us at Chunkaluta Network at gmail.com or Mark's Madness Pod at gmail.com. Again, I believe those links are in the link tree. Um, and then of course, you know, you can always come to the Mark's Madness Twitter for free. Um, or if you go to the Patreon and subscribe to the Patreon for Chunkaluta Network, um, then you can get into the Chunkaluta Network Discord as well. Um, and with that, um, I don't think I have anything else. Do you, Prez? No, I okay. do not. So uh, I guess I should, should change it up. I, <laughs> I think I said this has been Mark's Madness Pod like three times at the end of this sometime. So thank you for listening to Mark's Madness Pod, <laughs> part of the Chunkalucha Network. We read books. My name's David. I'm Prez. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>